0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rink Rat Report Podcast. You guys complained enough, so guess what? I broke down and I bought myself a mic. Yes, that's right. This The quality of this episode, in terms of content, should be still pretty shit. But the quality of the audio should be a lot better this episode. So fire that up. Uh, today we're going to be getting into... At uh, least we can review. Obviously, I'm going to give some thoughts on Columbus because, yikes, if they miss the playoffs, there. Um, getting into, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Silver Big signing. Just touch on that. Um, we're not going to be talking about the suspensions that went around the league because, honestly, who wants to hear me break them down? If you want to actually hear about the suspensions. Doesn't player safety release a video at least they used to I don't think they do anymore, but they used to like re- they, they used to release a video explaining why the suspension went the way it was and I don't think many people watched it so what the hell's the point of breaking down suspensions like just move on find a get a hobby, rake the leaves, shovel your driveway anyways we're gonna be also giving out some uh as we like to call new segment called uh giving out X's for eyes. You know, that little emoji with the X's over the person's eyes, meaning they're dead. Uh, we're going to be giving out some X's for eyes for teams. We're similar to the Dunchain, but we're going to brand it our own little thing. X's for eyes. But first, I'm going to get into a prospect highlight. And the reason I'm doing this is because I it took about six damn hours for this stupid video. It's more than six, sorry. Yeah, about six hours to for that arthur kaliev highlight tape that i just did 50 actually it was just all of his goals so backing backing up a little bit arthur kaliev hamilton bulldogs 2001 born is going to be in the nhl draft uh, this coming june he was a very highly rated player coming into this draft scoring 31 goals last year and he's done nothing but score goals this year as well In pretty much every game that he's played in. When you look at it, the Holinka. You look at the Cherry versus War game. And you even look at the season. This kid's been absolutely lights out. And he's even addressed certain parts of his game that people were critical with. I mean, the year before, only 17 assists. I think only not very many of them primary assists. Well, he's shown an ability to make plays this year for sure. The one thing that you got to look at when you're looking at his game, his one timer is so stupid good. It is that good. His one timer is so good, it looked like it was crafted by the hands of Zeus. He's also a pretty good skater and does have some good skill as well in terms of his hands. Uh, but the big things with his game is obviously his shot, which is the best in the draft, no questions asked, and his vision and his. uh, his ability to know where to be on the ice because it always seems that he slips off into his own little area and the puck just no matter who he's playing with the puck just comes in come to him comes to him and when it's in his wheelhouse this thing is almost automatic so i mean People are critical of his game in terms of his compete level and his physicality. I mean, he's six foot two, probably close to two hundred pounds, but he doesn't throw the body around that that much. And as a result, from game to game, certain scouts have criticized his uh, uh, his the way that he disappears in games. Essentially, but uh, people being critical of his defensive game, I don't think it's that bad. Um, I, I don't think it's a cause for concern at all. I mean, he plays the penalty kill, and he plays he gets ice time when the other team's net is pulled in a, in a close game in the dying minutes. So I don't I don't know why. I mean, I haven't seen really defensive deficiencies in that market. I think it's more so the game to game compete level as well as the physicality. Uh, I did actually draft buzz on Twitter. I messaged him and asked him about Arthur Kaliev because he had him pretty low. And that was the one thing he said. He said a big indicator for him was being able to play the physical game uh, as a trans translator almost to the next level. How it shows the translation to the next level. And he said that Kalievs doesn't really measure up to his liking. So you're going to see him move up draft rankings, I believe, soon. Because right now I've seen him mid to low first round. At one point, I won't buy even saw someone for in the second round, but I mean that offensive ability is just you can't ignore it. I mean, 50 tucks already this year. The season's not even over yet. How do you do? Keep the change, bud. So that's my prospect pro- uh, highlight on Arthur Kaliev. You can go check out all of his 50 goals on the YouTube channel. Uh, channel name is Joseph Pizimenti. Uh, if you look, if you just search up Arthur Kaliev 50, you're gonna find it. anyways moving on let's just get straight into some Leafs week in review so to start off the week uh, I was actually recording I had to go back and watch this game again I was actually recording that trade deadline podcast with Josh during the first Leafs game of the week uh, against the Sabres there so if you want you can still go check out that that episode there that was a solid episode with Josh and one of the main reasons why I had to go get a microphone because the audio quality on my part was so quiet and just at times doggy doo so anywho let's get into it that least versus Sabres game number one I mean just is it even surprising anymore I mean for, the least came out absolutely flat they were outshot like hell and they found themselves behind does that sound familiar Probably because it seems like it's happening most games, even in the Edmonton game too. The next game of the week against the Edmonton Oilers, they, they came out absolutely flat, thirteen to one were the shots, sixteen to six against in the, in the Sabers game here. But as they always do, it seemed like they came back and they came back in flurries. So then, the, obviously the the four goals in the second period just absolutely sank buffalo uh but they did come back into the Leafs. did unfortunately let them back into this one um but in the end they did prevail so a pretty good game to watch i want to say i i must say because of the back and forth nature of it i mean buffalo really gave the leafs a run for their money in this one because they two thousand percent would have lost this game if frederick anderson wasn't on his game and he was on. I mean, those saves against Pommenville as well as trying to find that um, huge saves that he made in the third period and even throughout the game. I mean, he he was on like Donkey Kong. I mean, I know that's cheesy to say, but I don't care. He was absolutely terrific in this one and fortunate enough for the Leafs, they did come out in a burst and just absolutely buried them. Uh, The three players that really stood out to me for the least in this game, I have to say it was Cap uh, Kasperi Kapanen. He had a couple great chances and even a goal in the end there. Um, in this one, just flying out there like he usually does. Uh, Frederick Grotia, I think in this one played uh, excellent as well. He had that one goal uh, in front of the net there, off the on the backhand as well as he was he was the outlet pass. As surprising as that is, he was the outlet pass to to Tyler Ennis. For that uh, fourth goal there, so, and then obviously the third one, uh, Frederick Anderson was an absolute horse, an absolute wall, just a unit between the pipes for the Leafs down there. I mean, he let in three goals, but if it weren't for him, he made some timely, timely saves. Doctor Clutch, Frederick Anderson. So, not too too, uh, not the most. I don't have too too much to say in this one. I mean. Seems like the leafs came out in spurts, and fortunate enough for them, that's one spurt that they had in the second the second period spurt that they had resulted in four goals. Uh, but kudos to Buffalo for hanging around in this one. We're gonna move on obviously to this Oilers game where they showed more spurts of life. And just to comment on that, in these in during this week, ignoring the Islanders game altogether in this analysis. They came out, They so they scored three goals. Again, they scored the three quick goals against the Sabres. They also scored three really quick, in a span of seven minutes in the second period. They managed four goals against the Oilers. And then even two, two decently, I think they were about four minutes apart from each other in that game against Buffalo on Saturday. So I, I think that's just really a sign of the Leafs have a lot of depth. It doesn't matter who, what line they put, one, two, or three out there. Even the fourth line had, what, three goals this week in four games? That's not too bad for your fourth line. So, But those top three lines, are. I think that's just a sign of they're so offensively heavy and just so good that these spurts that the Leafs showed throughout this week in Pretty much in this both the Sabres game and in the Oilers game, where they were just pounding the other team with goals, I think that's just a really it's a sign of how deep this team is offensively. And unfortunately, their the downfall to this team is that they can also give up a ton of goals no matter who they put on in on defense. And the Islanders game was a perfect example of that right there. I mean when you look at it, when you look at the pairings and what Babcock usually throws out there, Riley Hainsey. Ooh. And then Zaitsev on that second pairing. Depends what night you catch him on. It could be a free goal. And then the third pairing, who Oshiganov. And then even Marinson what we saw in that Islanders game. Kudos to him. That Buffalo game, he did play solid. He had that really good scoring chance. And even even an Apple. I mean, Marinson was not buzzing, but a little bit below that. I would I would say against Buffalo on that Saturday. So, not bad. The point of what I'm making is that this offensive ta- I mean, this offensive talent could carry this team easily. Maybe through one round. I don't think thre- probably not past that, but just a team to watch out for. <sighs> um so getting into this Leafs versus Oilers game, another poor it was almost a replica of the Sabres game. But an even worse start. I mean, 13 to 1, 15 to 2 were the shots. They were only down by one. And that Leon's goal, oh my God. Leon's may be your choice for furniture, but Drysidle is your choice for goals. Da, da, da. I mean, that, goal, that Leon Drysidle goal was absolutely sickening. That was so nice. Just the way he dusted Muzzin at the line, which, I mean, that's not really Muzzin's guy, so it's not really his fault. But then just walks in, looks like he lost the puck at one point, and then it's in the back of the net. Damn, worth every penny in my opinion. Uh, but the big thing in this one, kudos to Riley and the gang, mainly Riley in this one, for shutting down McDavid. It was McDavid's first game back from suspension. And, I mean, he didn't look godly out there. Riley shut him down. He really didn't see that speed through the neutral zone. You didn't see... Uh, those quick plays and puck results in the back of the net, I mean, they they got on him and they hit him. And as a result, he, his name didn't show up on the score sheet. Um, my last look at this one, I was really look, trying to look at Anthony Stolarz to get a read on him. Because, I mean, this game was a blowout. 6-2, it was 6-1, and then one goal accidentally fell in, whatever. Um, but Anthony Stolarz, I, I mean, he shows a decent... Amount of speed in the net for a guy his size, so I really hope that the Oilers do use him more through this season, and that they keep him around too, and give him some decent playing time next year. Not not a starter, but below that, obviously not just a a towel boy. Above that, obviously, so backing him up, maybe thirty starts next year, because I mean, Koskinen's is not that great of a goalie. But I think that could be really good for his development. I mean, he's got the physical tools there. It's just a matter of putting it all together, I think, now. And he's not out of his prime. I mean, it's not out of this world that he could become a starter for Edmonton down the line. So, to sum up this game, the Leafs fell asleep in the first. They woke up, and when they woke up, it was pretty much over for Edmonton. Uh, in this game, I was really impressed with, I'm uh, going to give it to Janssen and Marner. Uh, obviously, without Anderson, if, if Anderson didn't come out strong, like unlike the rest of his team did, didn't, well, he was there, the rest of his team wasn't, pretty much is what I'm trying to say, uh, but Jansen Marner, I would give it to them on that one. Uh, then we're going to get into this Islanders game. Now, I'm going to make a comment. I, I mean, it's been beaten to death pretty much, this John Tavares getting booed by the, the Islanders fans. So... I'm going to take a different stance on this one. In sports, I love to see passion. I mean, what the Philadelphia Eagles fans showed last year, with the dog masks and the going crazy. I mean, even though they released a couple videos that were just vile, uh, I love to see passion in sports. And what what you saw there, it was it was a lot of passion from Islanders fans. And... Ignoring what Don Cherry said, I mean, you know, 17,000 when John Tavares is in town and then 13,000 the next day. Well, guess what, John? Guess what, Don? The Coliseum doesn't even hold 17,000. Attendance has been steady at thirteen, which is just another bad look on the team, but whatever. Um, I mean, I think it was a great display of passion, just. I mean, it was trash passion. I mean, think about it this way. I mean, I, I, John Tavares has every like, right to leave that team. I mean, the management's not... I mean, ownership doesn't look steady. Where the hell are they even playing their home games? Uh, the team doesn't look as... Br- their future doesn't look as bright as what the Leafs had. And why not go home? But think about it this way. If you're a fan of the Islanders, you're not just going to go and abandon them when Tavares leaves. You're stuck. So think about that. You're behind a glass wall, and you're watching this guy make the decision, and it impacts you, but you can't do anything to sway it, unless you're a billionaire. Like go buy them, go move them to somewhere stable. So what are you gonna do? I mean, it's kind of miserable. You're just left with, a, well, now what do we do? So why not? I mean, I'd be kind of angry. I mean, my team's going to shit. Nobody knows where the home games are. If that check the schedule for where your home game is? Are you kidding me? There's no new arena in, in sight, so like I can understand why they'd be pissed at them, but to throw shit at them is just that's over the line. Don't do that. That's that's that takes trash and lights it on fire, and then to then you're peeing on it, and it's left at your front door for four days. That's that level of trash. That's absolute trash. So. I can see why Islanders fans were mad and they made a big deal out of this. But, I mean, it doesn't make it not trashy. That's my opinion on that. So, in this game, to start off, the Leafs just looked a step behind. Everyone but Matthews. I really like Matthews' game in this one. But the rest of the team, I mean, nobody was there. That was just garbage. To start, I mean, to start, they were a little step behind. I mean, if they lost that game 4 if they played like that, I, I could see them losing 3-1, whatever. But they didn't. They started a step behind. And then after that Leafs dis- disallowed goal, it was just from there. So 2-1. That weird offside. I don't know how you call that back. That was just garbo. But an ugly side of the Leafs came out after that. I mean, there was just... It almost looked like no fight. I, mean, I, know, I understand the the back to back games are tough. It's the second half of the back to back that you really have to watch because the other team is just going to completely tail off, and that's exactly what you saw the Leafs do in this one. So horrible game. Not much Sparks can do in that. You can't blame Sparks for that one. I mean, I know he's not the greatest goalie, but I think if you would have. Pretty much have anyone back there. I don't know if you're winning that one. That's a tough one. And to have these trash fans. Throwing trash at you literally. And then you come up flat like that. I mean it's. It's it's an ugly look. For the team. It's not an ugly look. I would say for the least. I'm going to say it would 1000% be an ugly feeling. So. I think that one you just ignore and you move on. I mean, everyone looked horrible in that game. Everyone on defense just looked like they were playing with the wrong curved stick. And with their, their, they put their skates on wrong. And that they were on fire. And that their blades were made of just plastic. Horrible, horrible game. But one thing I did want to talk about. How about Casey Sezikis' glow up? Holy, this guy's almost had 20 goals. He's never hit nine before in his career. And it's not like he's a rookie or anything. Oh, what a glow up. Damn. Guy's just got this. He's like that. He just blew up overnight. What a sensation. So, anywho, moving on from that, Islanders, you can't blame them. They're trash. But I, I can see them faltering. I did have one person somewhat looked like they they were taking a jab at me saying oh I thought the Islanders were trash well guess what they lost today in horrible fashion against the Flyers and they're now 4-5-1 and in their last 10 when you're a playoff team you're 4-5-1 and I mean that's not a good look they're slowly slipping they're no longer in number one spot and the Penguins are only four points behind them Uh Oh, so, I mean, don't, uh, don't give, don't crown the Islanders just yet. Um, but anyways, moving on from that, that horrible, horrible game that just deflated your whole week pretty much. We're going to go on to a better note. That Saturday game that the lease had, I mean, that was some pretty good stuff there, um, my opinions in this one, the goaltending on both sides was just... I know Fred, I think he made, what, 35 saves in this one, only allowed two goals, but Fred looked shaky in this one. And Olmark also looked shaky in this one. I mean, it seemed like the puck was just bouncing all over the place on both of them. Rebounds were tough to hold. The, the puck was literally slipping Through both goalies in this one, I mean, the Leafs are lucky. I mean, obviously you're going to expect your starting goalie to have an off game once in a while. But the Leafs are incredibly lucky that they were able to pull through on theirs and that they weren't playing, I mean, the strongest of teams when Fred had his off night. So I think it's a one-off for him and that uh, he'll rebound. He'll he'll rebound and he'll put up... an incredibly strong performances, just like he did all week. Um, but yeah, and this one, I had, so third win in th- this week, but it was one thing that I did start to notice in this one. It was an opposite game for the Leafs. They had a good start and then they fell back a little bit. And then they actually, and, and they were burying goals at the end of periods. And they had strong ends to the periods. That's completely opposite of what they've been doing for what the last 20 games. Another thing to note, they have not won a game in which they did not trail at any point in the game since February 12th against Colorado. That's a 9 game streak now. I know there's some losses in there. Since that Colorado win in which they actually had the lead and never fell behind, it's been now 5 wins of their last 5 wins. They trailed at one point in that game. But yeah, let's get into the details of game so they finally scored the first goal uh, Martin Morenson who just had an absolute dog just an absolute your dog got into the the wrong food you bought your dog the wrong dog food that kind of caca of a game against the Islanders but then again so did everyone else he rebounded in this one so he had the shot on net that Tavares buried secondary assist but still not bad and then, off a pass from Nylander, he had a pretty damn good chance. So, kudos to Martin Morenson. half decent game in this one. Uh, but the the Sabers did come back; they took the lead in this one. I wasn't crazy about either of the goals. I think they just kind of slipped by Anderson. But they continued to press. The Leafs got a couple fantastic chances. Uh, one courtesy Austin Matthews. Janssen hits the post, but I mean they prevailed. Because they're just that and that damn good. Riley's point shot slips through Allmark at the end of the period. Bang. Tie game. And then, sorry, I forgot to mention. This was Nick Patan's first game. And his first game buries it. I don't think he played overly terrific outside of that one goal. But he came up big when he needed to. And kudos to Trevor Moore. This this goal was all Trevor Moore. So, puck gets shot in by Zaitsev. Moore on the forecheck. Makes the hit takes the puck tape the tape to Nick Patan could not been, have been any more perfect that's exactly what you want from your fourth line and i mean the 5 foot 9 kid got it done i thought that was pretty interesting so game number 1 for the, of the lease goal number 1 for patan i mean what a pace other notes on this one then obviously they took the lead i think it was on that I think Zaitsev ended up scoring that goal. It went off, It looked like it went off Hyman, but not really. Um, but then from there, the Leafs played pretty good shutdown hockey, and was it, they were able to close it out. Uh, in this one, I, I really liked how Dallin, I, I want to highlight some of the Sabres players. I mean, there's the... Uh, in this one, I thought now Dallin. I mean, although Nylander had that one play where he made him look really bad, where he was waiting for the puck, and then Nylander hit the the post on that one, I think Dallin played exceptional, and he's just been off the charts this year in terms of uh, his play. I know he's not going to win Rookie of the Year; that's probably going to go to his counter, counter Swedish counterpart, uh, Elias Pedersen. But just the way that this kid carries the puck and how he creates time and space for himself and everyone else out there on the ice—I mean, it's it's just pre for a funeral level dumb. Like, I've never seen, let alone anyone 25 and up. I, I mean, he he's doing this at 18 years old, and it's going to be really interesting to see what he does when he fully matures. So, yeah, at least we're able to pull through. And Not Anderson's best game. I mean, even Hainsey had to back him up on one in the third period. Slipped right through him, and he, got, he was able to get it. So... Just little place like that, it wasn't crazy about in Anderson's game, but at least pulled through, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. I think Neil, William Nylander looked pretty good in this game. I mean, although he didn't put up any points, uh, strong possession numbers, hit the post on one play. As I said, set up uh, Martin Rinson on that other one, so pretty good game by William Nylander. Um Obviously, Mitch Marner with another terrific performance. And then I'm gonna give this last one to Tavares, T- Tavaresh, Tavares, whatever. Um, huge bounce back goal after the, just that that shitting on in Long Island. Burning, they're burning his jerseys from nine in the morning all the way through the game. They're throwing snakes and g- g- garbage at him. I mean, what a classy performance put on by Isles fans in that one. But gonna give that last one spot to Tavares because of. That little bounce back, JT day in Toronto, which segues me out of Leaf Secret review, and I mean that JT game in Toronto was—I don't know—it's fun. It's fun. It's a, it's nice to have an excuse to celebrate a game, isn't it? I mean, I'm I'm mainly saying that I really liked it because Steve Simmons said he didn't, so I'm just completely going against Steve Simmons on this one, but. Yeah, I'm indifferent on it. Don't really care. Um, As for other segments that we're going to move on into, um, I'm going to give some thoughts on the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, as everyone probably knows, the Columbus Blue Jackets just completely went for it at the trade deadline. They had their one op. On one hand, they could have traded Panarin. Bobrovsky wouldn't have gotten the biggest return, as big of a return as people would probably would think I mean I don't think there were, as I said in the last episode I don't think there was much of a market for him for a goalie so yeah probably not so Bobrov so trading Panarin though would have been a huge sign of we're rebuilding but they took the complete opposite direction they went out got Zingle and they got Matt Duchesne and so clearly they're all in Chips are all in. And at the end of the year, Zingle's a free agent, Bobrovsky's a free agent, Panarin's a free agent. So they're really going for it. In my opinion on this, at one point, Kekalainen has to just go for it. You have to win a playoff series. Like, if he trades Panarin-Bobrovsky at the end of this year, I mean, if he loses Panarin-Bobrovsky at the end of this year and you don't win a playoff series, I mean, you got to think your job's on the line at at some point. At some point, your ownership wants to see you win. So if you're just going back into a rebuild again, you're just you're, you're spinning circles. How does ownership have confidence in you that you're gonna this time you're gonna build it up right? So kudos to Carolina for doing. I mean, I think if you, they win a couple playoff series, it will save his job, even if they do lose them at the end of the year. But yeah, I think that uh, that was the right move to go for it unfortunately it's not really paying off right now because they're not really sitting in a playoff spot I think they will mesh together better and they will inevitably be inevitably make it in over a team like Montreal by the way they did lose tonight Columbus so just to add the uh to their season so good on Kekalina and at some point you do have to win and you do have to show for it and also I think that they we're confident on pushing in on trading some uh, some draft picks because they really did like those top two guys that they got last year in Marchenko and Foodie. They actually valued Marchenko at a first-round pick, and they got him in the second round. So I think that kind of did maybe push Kekalina a little bit into making that decision. So moving on, uh, Jacob Silverberg recently just signed a five-year deal worth 2625 25 Is that right? 5-2-5 over five five years. Um, Silverberg, I mean, I thought he was a little better than the numbers that he's put up. I don't think he's ever touched a 50-point season. Never 30 goals, but 16 goals this year, which is pretty good considering how bad Anaheim has been offensively, and the fact that he's not getting as much ice time as he's used to, pretty much. But yeah, never... 23 goals, 26 assists, 49 points is his tops With playing 18-29 night. Possession numbers are pretty pretty good. I mean, he has played in the defensive zone a lot. And it still comes out as a positive. But, I mean... 20, 26 mil? To a guy that's never touched 50 points to me is... A little strange. I mean, we just saw Yanni Gord get less money than that. But, I mean... Silverbergs don't really grow on trees, so I can see why Anaheim did it. I mean, I'm not cr- overly crazy about signing him to that much, so I don't know. I'd give it about a C, a C ranking. I'm not overly crazy about uh, Silverberg here. Now I, I give it a B minus. I give this signing a B minus for how it is. I mean, you need to keep them because if you lose them, what the hell else do you have on that team? You're just in full rebuild mode, which I don't think the Ducks are fully ready to embrace yet. So, yeah, decent signing. Maybe a little bit higher than what I would have thought he would got, but not too too bad. Yeah. My last thing, my last comment before I get into uh, we're going to give out the X's for eyes. Is uh, why is Grit just controlling Leafs Twitter? I mean, you can't go three scrolls without the Leafs com- uh, people on Leafs Twitter complaining. oh, This team doesn't hit. This team doesn't fight. I actually saw one tweet. Todd Shapiro, who's got a radio show somehow, saying that the Leafs would have won this game if, uh, against the Islanders if they had Matt Martin. How the hell does that make sense? So they never got blown out when Matt Martin was in their games. Matt Martin would have somehow. Then uh, he plays nine minutes. He was playing nine minutes a night for the Leafs. He throws the body around a little bit, like terrific. So he would have Matt Martin if he was on the Leafs. He would have um somehow ended the game early the night before that they had. Uh, he would have recharged all the boys through I, I don't know I, somehow. And like I don't think Matt that wasn't the issue at all. I I think it was just a really dumb tweet. And I know his thing on Twitter is oh like I'm just tweeting stupid stuff, I don't care about it. Well like if you're tweeting stupid stuff, aren't aren't I just gonna think your show is stupid and I'm not gonna listen? Like your Twitter is an extension of your brand. I thought that was really and then a couple other accounts too are just making me sick. Yeah, we get it. The Leafs don't hit. Traditionally in playoffs, there's a lot of hitting. I think it's gonna be interesting. I think the Leafs could win a couple playoff rounds. At least. Without hitting with a being doubled in games with hits, if the the back end stands about what they did on Saturday, I think that they could win at least a couple playoff rounds in the absence of showing a ton of grit or giving up a first round pick for because a guy hits or whatever, so that's my opinion on that. I don't think it's I think that the speed and the skill that the Leafs have as well as the depth that they have. If they can stay healthy, then they're going to be a big issue for teams like Boston and teams like Tampa Bay in the playoffs. So, my last segment of the night, we're going to give out some X's for eyes. First one, not too surprising, Buffalo Sabres. You're done. Pack your bags. Your season's over. Send the boys to the World Championships. Because these guys are not getting in. 3-6-1 and one in their last 10. Uh, since Spittin' Chicklets made those wagon t-shirts, just, what, 12-16-2 was the number? And, I mean, just losses like that, those against the least. I mean, they, they disappeared. Their goaltending really wasn't as strong as it needed to be in both of those games, which Carter Hutton getting pulled. I mean, I totally understand why he got pulled. Him acting like a baby on the bench, dude you don't have a long term contract. You can't do that. You can't act like a prima donna when your save percentage is as low as yours. You were good for what, twenty games last year? Relax, pal. Put the hat on and shut up. You let it you, you're the one who let in the goals. Not anyone else. So put the stupid hat on and shut up. Um but you know, Buffalo Sabres. X'd out. You're done. Pack your bags. Um, then we're gonna move over to the West. Uh I think the Blackhawks are done so Uh five two loss tonight to the uh to the San Jose Sharks. They're currently eight points out, one game in hand on Minnesota, but I mean I think they went on a little bit of a dream run and horrible start to the year. It looked like they were uh they're slack for Jack there. But I mean I think it's come up short. I think they dug themselves too big of a hole at the beginning of the season. And, I mean, I don't think... I mean, if they want to make the playoffs next year, I think a couple tweaks here and there, especially in the goaltending position. Something's got... I mean, Corey Schneider is not healthy to start next year. It's going to be another tough year for the Blackhawks. So, pack your bags. Hopefully we get to see uh, Patrick Kane... At the World Championships. That's always fun. He just absolutely tore. That tournament a new one. With his performance there. So I mean. It's always a fun tournament to watch. I love I love hockey so much. I'll watch Division 3. World Championships under 17. If it's on. And I'm not doing anything. But yeah. Pretty much everyone. Also everyone below those teams that I just mentioned is one thousand percent xed out. Uh, I mean listen to some of these Edmonton Anaheim LA we're gonna start basic and in the coming days pretty much we're gonna we're gonna X out some maybe some controversial. Maybe we'll be eating some crow on some of the teams we X out, but for now we're starting off with the basic ones. Buffalo, Chicago Pack it up. Season's done. One last thing I want to mention. If anyone wants to come on and discuss with me, you're more than welcome to. Just reach out to me uh, and make sure you know what you're talking about. You have your notes ready. And give me a time and day that you actually want to talk about this stuff. Uh, Be mindful that the podcast is released on Monday. So if it's time sensitive, uh, make sure it's closer to Monday. And you're working around my schedule. I don't care. I call the shots around here. Have yourself an average Monday. Because if you have too good of a Monday, it's just going to be downhill from there.